I'm going to be talking to you about the third legend tonight. And his name is David. Right. He's one of the most incredible men of God. And in the Bible, of course. And I want to encourage you to study him. Where do you study David? Well, in the Psalms. You want to go to know about David? You get into the Psalms because he wrote most of them. And those that he didn't write were inspired by him. Amen. He was a king of Israel and he inspired the, 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 the priests, you know, the, some of the people who, who, who led the worship in the temple and all of this. Some of them wrote some of the Psalms, but they were inspired by David. Now, God put certain stories in the Bible about various men of God. And tonight, I trust that you are here because you want to actually be a man of God. Amen. You want to be a better man of God. I want to be a better man of God because we never truly arrive. We grow all the time. Amen. So God, in his word, is put certain stories about various men of God. Why? Because they are to be examples to us on which we can model our lives. They are to be examples to us. Amen. I hope you heard this. They are to be examples to us. What is an example? An example is someone, and you're talking of a person, that you choose to model your life on. Amen. You don't follow people that you don't choose to model your life on. You follow people, you choose as an example, people that you want to model your life upon. Why? Because what you see in them is something you want. Amen. Come on, come on, man, are you alive? You can say amen, ena, hallelujah, praise God, whatever you do in this, in this house. We're not, we're not a quiet church, amen. So you're welcome. You're welcome to respond. Now, these stories are not fiction. The stories that God put in the Bible are not fiction. They're not somebody's imagination. These stories are real stories. These things happened in the, in the Bible. But the stories in the Bible, they really happen in real life. And of course, one of his men was David. He became the king of Israel after King Saul passed away. Now, it's interesting to note that before King Saul, Israel had no king. They didn't have a king. God never appointed a king. Do you know who was the king of Israel? God himself. They had no king. He was the king. The only one. And then, so David got appointed after King Saul passed away. And God, until King Saul was the first king of Israel, had chosen to raise what were, those people were known as judges, all right, amongst his people to rule the nation of Israel. Do you know why God did this? 
God wanted to remain the only king of his people. And that's the first question for me tonight, to you. Who is the king of your life? Think about it. Who is the king of your life? Only you can answer that question. You know, it, it, there are many answers to that question. But who is the king of your life? I can tell you who wants to be your king. And that's the Lord himself. He desires to. Why? Because he knows that he is the best king that you could ever want. Amen. And that if you allow him to be your king, your life will be a blessed life. That's why God wants, wants, you, wants to be your king. He doesn't want to be your king for any other reason except to bless you so that he can direct you, so that he can look after you, so that he can minister to you, so that he can provide for you and all of these things. But the people of Israel decided that they wanted another king. That's the first mistake they ever made. First mistake they ever made. Amen. And uh, the pattern of having a king to rule the nation, I'm talking of a human king, did not come from God. That wasn't God's idea at all. God had, had, had chosen to raise judges, but not kings. But the idea of having a king came from the heathen nations that surrounded our neighbors of Israel. They had kings. Do you know why they had kings? Because they didn't have God. They needed a human king. They didn't have a true God to be their king. But the people of Israel became more and more agitated about this fact. And the facts are that they didn't have a king and they demanded that the prophets would anoint a king to rule over them. So I'm laying a foundation because I'm going to get to David in a minute. So they demanded a king and God said, okay, you want a king? You don't want me to be your king anymore? You prefer to have a human king? I'm going to give you one. So God raised a man. And his name was Saul. Tall, tall guy. You know, if you and I had to choose a king, who would we choose? We would look someone who has stature, you know, imposing, tall, dynamic. We'll choose something, somebody like this, right? And so Saul was like that. He was tall, he was strong, he was imposing. And so God raised Saul to be the first human king of Israel. As it turned out though, Saul became obsessed with his own beauty and his own strength and his own stature and his own whatever. And slowly but surely, he began to do things in his own power instead of seeking the will of God. Do you know, that's why God didn't want to give Israel a human king. Because no human is perfect. The king that they had was perfect, was God himself. 
So Saul began to do things in his own power instead of seeking the will of God. To cut a long, long story short, you can read all, all of these in the book of Kings. Eventually, Saul completely backslid. This tall man, imposing, kingly man, backslid into the world. And he began to consult mediums. And he began to practice sorcery. And he began to do all kinds of ungodly things. He completely turned his back on godliness as the king of God's people. And eventually when the people began to see and understand the mistake in a sense, I don't know if they all understood the mistake they made, but God wanted them to know that sometimes when you make a choice and you don't consult the Lord, but you make your own choice, despite the fact that you know what the will of God is, it will lead you to chaos. And so came a time God had to take him out of the way because he became so ungodly. And this was, in my opinion, when I read the story, when I read the story of Saul, followed by the story of David, I see a pattern that God said, okay, you want a king? I want to show, show you what an ungodly king will do for you. And then I'm going to show you what a godly king will do for you. So he first raised Saul, and then he raised David. All right? was meant to be a lesson to the children of Israel. And of course, to us today. You know, the things that God put in the Bible is not just for that time. We draw and we understand and we learn through those stories in the Bible. So this was meant, in a sense, to be a lesson to the children of Israel and to us today in the sense that if we are to be blessed, and successful, we need to be God-centered and not self-centered. This is the first thing I want to say to you. You want to be a successful man? You want to be blessed? You need to be God-centered and not self-centered. Saul became self-centered and eventually he lost his kingdom. He lost his kingdom. Because of that. So the next king that God chose to rule his people was David. And as I said, I personally believe God had to teach Israel a lesson. And he sometimes has to teach us a lesson. Amen. By letting us taste of a fruit of our own choices. And then by choosing him, tasting of that fruit. Amen. So sometimes God allows things in our lives. When we make our own choices, we don't consult him. Not every choice we make is necessarily ungodly or wrong. But sometimes they are. How many of you have made mistakes in your life before? I've made many mistakes. By not consulting the Lord. And making choices. 
and losing or experiencing loss, if I can put it that way, in every form that you can think of. So God gave his people an ungodly king. Then immediately after that, he chooses a godly king to rule his people so that his people could experience the difference. And sometimes those lessons that we learn in life where we make a mistake and, and of course we can't undo the past and we have to reap the consequences of that mistake, is there for us to learn lessons. If you never learn, you never grow. Never learn, you never grow. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. Our life needs to change all the time as we allow God to direct our choices. Amen. Now, that was by way of introduction to what I'm going to talk to you about because the title of this message tonight is Be Like David. Don't be like Saul. Be like David. If you want success in your life, if you want the blessing of God, be like David, not Saul. So one of the very first things the Bible tells us about David is that he was a man after God's own heart. Now I want you to remember that because I'm going to end with something which I believe it's important to understand when what God was saying there. And you'll see that a little later. But the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 13 verse 14 is that God chose David because David was a man after God's own heart. And God has his eyes on him for his people. Why? Because God knew that he would lead his people to be God-centered. David was a godly king. You know, when you look, listen to the stories of, of the kings of Israel, do you know how few of them were godly people? Yet they were anointed of the prophets. And God never intended them to be bad kings. But as human beings, we, have, we make choices. And those kings were no different. When you become a man of God, suddenly you don't become a puppet. You still have your mind. You still make your choices. And so many, many, the majority, in fact, of the kings of Israel were ungodly. Ungodly. So David, first thing we learn about him is that he was God-centered. A man after God, God's own heart. And so the first thing that strikes me about David it has his heart, is that his heart, now hear me carefully, not his mind, not his intellect, his heart was firmly anchored in his God even from a very young age. Even from a very young age. What he used to do, he was a shepherd. David used to look after his father's sheep. And he was still young. He was a teenager when he went out in the fields. But you know what he would do there? As soon as he would took, take his sheep and the sheep were grazing and all of this, he would spend time with God. He 
from a tender age, he would spend time with God. He did not pursue fame. He did not pursue a name for himself. He did not pursue material things. He didn't pursue great achievements. But what he perceived is a deep relationship with God. Now I want you, if, you got, if you're taking notes, you need to write that down. Deep relationship with God. That's what David pursued. While he was sitting there, I've always got pictures of his fields out on the side of a slope of a mountain or whatever, big wide open spaces and his sheep were grazing there. David would lie on his back and spend time with God, building a relationship with him. His cry to God was not, God make me famous or make me the richest and the greatest. That was not the cry of his heart. His cry to God is encapsulated in Psalm 25 verses 4 and 5. And that's the very first thing that we're going to look about David. Psalm 25 verses 4 and 5. This is what, he, what, what this psalm says and it's a cry of David's heart. He says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all day. On you I wait all day. That was a cry of David's heart. Show me your ways, God. There's so much I need to learn about you. I, I want to know more. And so that's the first trait about David. It's called a humble heart. A humble heart. He had this humble heart that constantly desires to get to know God more and more above anything else. To get to know his creator. A humble heart. So the first thing we learn from David as men of God is to have a humble heart. Is to have a humble heart and deal with pride in our lives. Do you know you don't have to make any effort to be proud? Do you know that? It comes naturally. We are born, our flesh is proud, whether we like it or not. Proud. But we've got to deal with that pride. Because if you nurture pride in your life, a fall comes. Bible says pride comes before the fall. Amen. So David, the first thing we learn about him, he nurtured a humble heart. It's the first thing. The second trait of David, which I want to bring, up, bring forth tonight, is found in the book of Psalm. Chapter 84, verses 1 and 2. The book of Psalms, chapter 84, verses 1 and 2. He writes this. And you can hear that David was passionate about this. He writes this. He says, how lovely is your tabernacle, 
O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Do you know when you look at that, that's a heart that desires and yearns for the presence of God in his life all the time. All the time. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul and my flesh cry out for the living God. So the second thing that we learn from David as man of God is that he longed for the manifest presence of God in his life because he loved God so much. He longed for the manifest presence of God in his life. He cried out to God. Let me ask you this question. Do you love God so much that you can make this scripture a cry of your heart, just like David did? Does your soul yearn for God like David's? Bible says if you seek God with all your heart, you will find him. But notice it doesn't say if you seek God. It says if you seek God with all your heart. David had that. He yearned for God. He yearned for the presence. So he writes with passion, how lovely is your tabernacle. My soul longs, it faints for the courts of the Lord. That's how passionate he was about God. The third thing, or trait if you want, of, of David's life, it's found in Psalm 23, verse 4. Psalm 23, verse 4. And this is what he says. He says, yes, though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I will fear no evil. And so when we read that, the third thing that we learn about David as man of God is that he developed a heart that trusted in God implicitly in any circumstance without exception and did not allow fear to rule him no matter what he faced. David was fearless. And that's a trait. Do you know why he was fearless? Because he trusted God. If you don't have God and you don't trust God, you cannot be fearless. You'll be in fear for all kinds of reasons. But if you trust the Lord implicitly, you'll never have fear in your life ever again. Never. Why? Because he writes in that same verse, for you are with me. When you, have, when you know God is with you, how can you fear? You don't need to have any fear. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. So my question to you is, what about you? Do you have any fears? Do you have any anxieties? Are there areas of, of your life that are ruled by fear or anxiety? 
because you haven't brought yourself to trust God in these areas, perhaps? Are you able to trust God with your future in this uncertain world, in this world that goes up and down, and today it's this, tomorrow it's that? Are you able to trust God for your future, for your provision, without fear? These are questions we have to ask ourselves. Because remember we started by saying the Bible speaks of David as a man after God's own heart. These are traits of a man after God's own heart. Doesn't entertain fear. Fear is not part of our, of our being as men of God. Number four, 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. That's where you find that one. 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. This is the story of the Amalekites who are the enemies of Israel. And they invaded, while David and his men were out fighting a war somewhere, they came and they raided the camp and they, they took away all the wives of the children, anything they could steal. And, and so... We pick up this verse, it's part of our story. It says, so David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? That's the Amalekites he's talking about. Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, that's God. God answered David. He said, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So, the fourth thing that we learn about David as man of God is that he did not decide on make any decisions on important matters without inquiring from the Lord and getting direction from his king. David didn't make any important decision without inquiring of the Lord first. There are nine times in the Bible where we see David inquiring from the Lord before making decisions. And I'm sure that there are many, many other instances that are not mentioned in the Bible where he inquired of the Lord. David always inquired of the Lord. What about us, men of God? Do we inquire of the Lord before making big decisions? Or do we just jump in and we sometimes go ahead with our own decision and expect the Lord to bless our decision. This is what many, many people do. They make their own choice. And then they say, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless that choice. But this may not be what God wants for you right now. But David knew that. So he always inquired of the Lord. Amen. And the fifth thing I want to talk about, there are many more, but God put these five things on my heart tonight. The fifth thing, a trait of David was found in Psalm 119, verses 97 to 100. This is what David writes. He says, oh, I, I love your law. At that time, remember, they didn't have a New Testament. They had the Old Testament and, and a big portion of the Old Testament was the law of Moses. 
So David writes, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all of my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the elders of the ancients, because I keep your precepts or your word. So the fifth thing that we learn from David as man of God is that he was a man who valued the word of God and, his, and the precepts of God. He valued them tremendously, tremendously. He meditated on God's word according to his scripture all day long, all day long. And God's word was the focus of his daily thoughts and actions. And I want to ask you, where are you at when it comes to this? As a man of God, where are you at? Do you make time to study God's word every day? Do you? To place it in your heart and let it direct your actions, your decisions. So these five things. Just a quick recap. First one, humble heart. Secondly, a heart that yearns for God's presence. Thirdly, no fear. Fourthly, a, a heart that inquires of the Lord before making important decisions. And number five, a heart that loves the word of God and meditates on it day and night. So these five things is what God showed me tonight about David. And as you know, the title of my message is Be Like David, Not Saul. Be Like David. So the last question, last thing I want to mention tonight is, comes in the form of a question. I want to ask you this question. Was David perfect? Who says they were, he was perfect? Come on. Nobody? Well, you may turn around and say, but Pastor Michel, he was a special man. He was different. I'm not quite like him. The truth is, David was just a man, just like you and I. And he sinned. You think this man that we've just looked at would never sin, but he sinned. In fact, to be quite honest with you, he committed bigger sins that you and I, I'm pretty sure. He murdered, I'm sure. Have you ever murdered anybody? Anybody in this room ever murdered somebody? All right. Not only that, he committed mega adultery. Anyone? Okay, don't put your hand up on that one. <laughs> but he was a murderer of an innocent man because he wanted his wife. Oh, I must tell you, you would say, but 
that be a man after God's own heart? Who does things like this? Actually, David was just a man like you and I. But the reason he was called by God to be a man after God's own heart is not because he was perfect, but because his heart was set on putting God first in his life within his imperfection. You get that? The devil will want to make you think, no, I'm not good enough. No. I sin too much. That doesn't come from God. The Bible says God knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. But he still pours down his grace and his mercy upon us. The important thing to God is not the outer appearance. You can come to church and dress like whatever, you know, and look so holy. God doesn't care about this. He's looking at your heart. Even in our imperfection, we are just like David. We are not different. You are now a man just like David was. But the difference is, where is our heart? What's got your heart? What's got my heart? That's what's important. And the reason David was a man after God's own heart is because God had his heart. Even in his imperfections. So we just need to put God first in our lives, get his word in our hearts, and within our own imperfections, live our lives according to the revelation that we have. We too can become men after God's own heart. I started with this, I'm going to end with this. Be like David. Amen.